When it comes to commercial snow removal, look to Tovar Snow Professionals. With the largest snow and ice management fleet in the Midwest, Tovar delivers top-notch commercial sidewalk and parking lot clearing services, even in winter's worst weather conditions. With their 24-hour live office staff, certified meteorologists, and personal service, they are leaders in professional snow removal. To get a free estimate for snow removal on your site, go to baseball.tovarsnow.com or call 844-GO-TOVAR. That number again is 844-GO-TOVAR. Tovar Snow Professionals, Chicago's snow plowing Leader. Tovar is an equal opportunity employer. We're Cubs fans helping Cubs fans at Stewart's Cubs Cave Parties. Everybody's in full giving back to those in need. We're going to Club 400. Club 400. We're going to Club 400. Club 400. We're going to Club 400. The Club 400 podcast is on the air, and we are in Club 400 tonight, William. Crazy. This is the first and time we've done this. This is the first time we've ever did this like this. Like this. This is a, 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 if you could picture it right now, if you've been to Club 400, we're sitting behind the bar, and we have one of my favorite people of all time in the house tonight. And I'll tell you what, it is so fitting that in 2021, we start off here at Club 400 with this a guy, young man. with this guy right here, and uh, he is none other than Ray Burst. Everybody, let's give a big hand for Ray Burst, all right? <laughs> I will say this, you guys. Uh, we've had over 30 players at Club 400. We've had a lot of celebrities here, sports people. And uh, once in a while, someone, um, comes, by the way, by the way, back. Sometimes they come back. What we lost one today, Kyle Schwarber, but we have to bring that up. Well, Kyle Schwarber, one of our Club 400's favorites. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, neighborhood heroes. We love you, Kyle, and he, he's always going to be a Cub, William. He's always going to be a Cub. And he'll be back here. And I, our goal is to get him here uh, for the t- Christmas party. You already have a date for the Christmas party. Yeah. We're, we're working but on that. Who's been here the most times? Well, who has been here the most times? And you who should probably who, get him a sport coat, like. Eight times, five, six, seven. How many times have you been here? It'd be like the uh, Masters, huh? Yeah, like the Masters. Yeah, that color. I got, I got gifts. You did. He got special gifts tonight. Yep. So uh, I'll tell you what, guys. Uh, sometimes you meet, you know, somebody in life, and you connect to them in a different way, you know. And uh, Ray is one of those guys. And uh, I told Ray earlier tonight, like uh, I want him, I want here to be him to be here with us along this voyage. The Voyager raised $1 million, and he's been here uh, like three or four times, but uh, he captures the spirit of what Club 400 is about. And, you know, all the stuff that has happened in the last year, like the last time I saw Ray was in Mesa, Arizona at Cubs Fantasy Camp this year, and everything was beautiful. Like we were playing baseball with 100 people, except for that uh, bug that got around that knocked out about 50% of the campers. But uh, we had an amazing time. We hung out with, uh, you know, just w- that, that Cubs camp. Uh, the people are amazing. Uh, it's a family that truly sticks together. And we have some campers in the here house tonight. In fact, uh, uh, this podcast is live from Club 400 tonight. 
Uh, Chris and Kelly uh, actually donated $1,500 uh, to Eric Hartman's brother, Zach, and that's why we're here tonight. And Ray was in town, and he wanted to see the family. So uh, I was like, come on down. And I was like, we got to do a podcast with Ray because if anybody I want to start off 2021 with is with, is with you, Ray. So uh, I want to ask you this question right now. Um, first of all, I haven't seen you since camp. How the hell have you been, and uh, how has been your journey through this uh, crazy year, this last year? I went, I went through different phases, Stu. I went through phases of not feeling comfortable going out. Uh, when I did go out, it was essentials, uh, toilet paper, paper towels, uh, food. And then I didn't feel comfortable going in stores. And I wore my mask. A lot of things were going on, getting to the heart of the matter of the virus and what it was doing within one's body. So uh, I finally got comfortable to go to a restaurant in July because the restaurants that came out and, and provided a protocol of six feet distancing, you had to wear your mask, you had to wait outside your car and they called you when your table was ready and they were good so it made me feel comfortable. But I tell you what, my hair grew so freaking fast. <laughs> I'm telling you, Santa Claus couldn't have beat me as far as a beard. He may have had more hair on his head, but right here, I mean, I was out to here. And when I went to the barber for the first time, I could have made a rug. <laughs> it was unbelievable. And when I got done, you know, you're out in the sun, and you don't realize how the sun gives you a tan. <laughs> so I'm tan all in here, and I'm white all the way around here. <laughs> I mean, I look like Neapolitan ice cream. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm looking in the mirror one day, and I'm like, holy, man, what, what happened here? But once I got comfortable, then I start doing a little bit more outside. But I still had that cautionary heart, that cautionary mindset. Because I'm going to tell you something. There's some people in this room who've had it. I don't want it. I don't want it, and I'm hoping when I get back, I can get registered and get my uh, vaccines and start that process. But in the meantime, if I have my mask on, personally, I, I have to go with the protocol that I have it, and I don't want to get it. So I think humans are the ones during this situation that helps expedite and take away the spread of the virus. Of all the people we've lost, it's the same. It really is a shame to have to lose a loved one and you can't be there to hold them or hug them. I think that's really sad. I would like to uh, interject real quick. Uh, Paul Johnson, uh, he's a, a member of Club 400. I want to put this out there. He just lost his mother, and uh, it's a terrible thing. Like, uh, you're right. Like I, I unfortunately, I, I went to a, a drive-by funeral this year, and that, how terrible is that? You know that you can't be with loved ones. Like I told, I was saying earlier, we raised uh, ten thousand dollars for the winner's family earlier this year, and uh, they lost their their son right in the heart of the lockdown. And when you need needed people's uh, love the most, you know you couldn't get it because of, of the virus and everything else. So it's just been. It's been horrible for a lot of different people, but I want to actually make sure we uh, brought in, uh, and I mentioned that uh, our sympathies go out to Paul and his family, and um, it wasn't COVID-related, I don't believe, but uh, 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 we, or I want to send out my love to uh, yeah, Paul if you're listening. So um, anyways, Ray, uh, 
I know you, man. You're a mover and a shaker. Like you, you don't like to sit around and do nothing. Like so, like what did you do during COVID? Is there anything that you pick up? Any hobbies? What, what, like did you uh, watch some TV shows? Did you did you uh, binge some shows? Or what were you doing during like the the, the dire days? I did a lot of reading. Yeah. I did a lot of reading and soul searching from the standpoint of what is my norm going to be from this point on. What's going to be different in my life? Well, I need to wear the mask more. I have no problem wearing the mask. I really don't. Uh, uh, but I, I picked up the art of reading. And I started doing some soul searching in regard to how do I look at my friends? Uh, how do I look at my family? How do I look at myself? And the value of family and friends and the love that they give in so many different ways and how can I be more appreciative of life, of gratitude, of thankfulness, and a lot of you in this room right here, I'm talking to you. I'm thankful for your friendship. I'm forever grateful for your love. And I will be eternally appreciative of your friendship. And I thank you for that. And you will eternally get my friendship, my love, and my joy every time I see you. Amen. 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 Amen to that. Uh, I wanted to ask you about this, Ray. Like, currently, hey, William, we're not even friends on Facebook right now. Do you know that? I want to get your take on this, right? I want to get, I'm going to get, hey, we're going to get a little deep tonight, all right? We're going to get a little deep, deeper than normal, all right? Uh, William, he's a brother of mine, a brother like no other. So like a brother like Eric is to me. I love him. I love his brother that I met this year. We played a baseball game here in September. I love his mom, and I never met his mom. But I love her because she you know, brought William in this world. But uh, I want to go big here. I want to think big picture here. Like, me and him have the mutual love between one another. Like, I have mutual love with a lot of you guys here. It's this world that we live in right now. Seems like they, I don't know who's they, but it seems like there's different sides of things. There obviously is different sides of things. But I, I guarantee you that me and William agree on 90% of things. Like the big things in life, you know? But it just seems like society nowadays is you're either one side or the other side. And it's causing a lot of problems with people nowadays. It's causing friendships, lifelong friendships to end. Families fighting, causing household, the virus is causing you know, household problems with divorce and fighting. And this, right now in this country, we are more divided than ever. 
but yeah, I remember 9-11, and I remember how we all felt. We all, I was actually going to be a Yankees fan, William. I was going to be a Yankees and a Mets fan because I felt so bad for the people of New York. And, like, my question to you, Ray, is, like, I want a little Ray Burst, you know. Pep talk. Pep talk, right? You got to pull him out of the gutter. Yeah. Stu Drabble. <laughs> I think this is an apology, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I, but I, like Ray, I, respe- I Ray, I respect the I respect the hell out of you. Yeah, I, I really do. And I, like I said, and like, you know what? I need a little Ray Burst tonight, and I need a little like wisdom from Ray Burst, like uh, about unity and people and how we all really do love one. There's more love than, than, than how it's being broken down these days. You know. I agree. But when I look when I look around this room. <clears throat> I'm going. I'm going. When I look around this room, I'm going to compare it to what great teams had. All great teams had three factors. They had intellectual diversity. You look around this room. There's a lot of intellect in here from different diverse cultures. They also had the ability to have the psychological safety. Now what I mean by that, if I say something and I throw it out on the floor, it's what I feel and it's what I believe. You may not like it, but you may respect it. So I have that psychological safety to say what I feel from my heart. The same that you have, and you should be able to say that with the fear that you're not gonna be looked looked upon in a crazy manner. And number three, that ability to know what are you fighting for? What do we fight for on a daily basis, Stu? Do we fight to improve the, the, the heart that's ticking inside of our bodies? Do we fight to mold and shape the heart that we have? Do we fight to mold and shape the diversity that we have or the initiatives that we have? And how is it going to affect the ones around us that we love and care and depend on on a daily basis? I'm a firm believer. If you can't laugh, you're not living. Amen. If you can't laugh, you're not living. I'm talking about a harsh laugh once a day. (laughs) That's hard to do. When I look at you, I think of a harsh laugh, Eric. He doesn't even just say anything you. You know what? It's 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 in you. You just gotta let it go. Let it go, brother. Let it go. You just gotta let it go. Because I've seen it in you, brother. Huh? So all I'm saying is this is 2021. We've come to probably the worst pandemic in our country since 1918. How are we going to impart and impact? the world around us. When I look at when I look out through this audience, I see Michael Hurst, I see Kristen, I see Kelly, I see Katie, I see T C I see Jason, I see Eric, I see Susan, I see Stu, I see William, I see Brian Freeze. I see a lot of people I know and a lot of people I don't know. That don't mean I dislike you. It doesn't mean that. It means I just don't know your name. And I can come over there and ask your name because I don't have no problem coming over. My name is Ray. What's your name? That's the heart that pumps inside of me. What pumps inside of you? 
We don't have to make an impact over the city of Chicago, but we can make an impact in the environment we have access to on a daily basis. What is pick up the phone or pick and text somebody. And I did that a lot during the pandemic. I would get up in the morning, start at 8 o'clock in the morning, and I'm texting. Katie, how many times I text you? Michael, oh, so how many, many times I text you? Brian, how many times I text you? TC, how many times I text you? Stu, how many times I talk to you? Right? I didn't have Eric, so I didn't model. Kristen, how many times I call you? Kelly, how many times I check in with you? It didn't have to be every day. It was just maybe once a week, twice a month. Because friendships never die. I don't have to depend on rekindling my friendship by texting you every day. Because you understand. Why? The heart that's pumping the right blood inside of you. Amen. I'm a firm believer in <laughs> Don't be ashamed of that heart. It's who you are. It tells you what you believe in, what you're committed to, what you're convicted toward. So if I can say one thing to all of us in here tonight, when we leave this gathering, I hope that something was said, whether it was by whim, by Stu, by myself, that touched that heart on the left side of your body, and it rearranged a mindset. And when you look at yourself in the mirror, I hope the biggest smile go from ear to ear, and you look at those bicuspids and said, okay, I didn't floss last night, but I can do it now. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. We are people in a diverse climate, culture, but we can work together as that great team's always had, those three components. Yeah. I believe in that. And you know what? Cubs 400 is a good example of that. They wouldn't be at a half a million dollars right now if they had it. True that. And thanks to your support, ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate all of you. And I'm going to hug you before I go, so you might as well get used to it. I don't care what you think. You can be married, single, it don't matter. I'm hugging tonight. By the way, I got a, a real nice big hug from Ray tonight, and that was a great way to start the whole new year off. Well, I, squeeze me. I, 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 gave, I gave him a little big, big yeah, squeeze there. Yeah, squeeze. yeah. So, uh, Lord, it was nice. Well, he's working out. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to bring this up because, like, me and William had a heart-to-heart -heart talk the other day, as uh, two people should, you know. Uh, discussion is better than everything. But And, you know, William actually made me think a little bit. And, and you know what? We all, all of us, right, we all live in a box, right? And we only know what's in our box, right? But we don't know what's in other people's boxes, right? I don't know how William grew up. I don't know how Ray grew up. But I know that we all have... We were brought up by parents who raised us, and um, we picked our friends. And yeah, you know, I think picking your friends is probably the most important thing in life, right, Ray? You know how to pick them. Exactly. So uh, better than you know. And, and but I think like uh, when it comes to people and how they feel, it's because of their own personal box of like what what you know as an individual, which which makes you think the way that you think, and. Your box is different than my box, but like we should respect everybody's boxes, right? And like we should respect where everybody comes from, right? <laughs> right. 
That's you know, a t-shirt. Not, we should respect everybody's boxes because, like, like no, I'm then. saying, like, the, like I think box. that's a real thing. Like, <laughs> it's not <laughs> like. And you got a And you got a I'm applauding, but 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 the going that no, I'm just saying like every everybody has been raised differently, and they've chosen their friends, and they different financial situations and so forth. I mean, there's a lot that goes into why we think we think, and I think the bottom line is you know uh, respect people for their box, respect their box. It sounds terrible, but whatever. But Ray, but I, yeah, I, and, I, and I will say this, Ray, though. Um, all I got to say is this, though. Uh, now they're making me lose my train of thought. Well, I know. You know, Ray's a tough interview. He's like the greatest guy, one of the greatest guys I've ever met. He answers your next question before you ask the question. <laughs> so he throws you all off. Like, we were going to talk about, like, boxes. Me- mental boxes. Yeah, boxes. <laughs> we were going to talk about <laughs> mental health and how we get out of this. And you already laid out the plan. Laughing. You got to laugh. You got to laugh. Hey, William, I'm going to make a special announcement tonight because I think tonight's a special night. And you know what? I did. I, I told I told Ray this morning. I texted him this morning. I said, I woke up with a smile on my face today, Ray, because I knew I was going to see you, you know, see you today. And it's true. I really, I was like, man, you know what? I don't, like, I don't, fuck Chris Bryant. Like, we got Ray Burris here, you know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the way. another t-shirt, by the way. <laughs> No, I mean, like, I, 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 I love, I love quality people. And when I was like, man, we got, we got a quality guy coming here tonight. And where was I going with that, William? I, I'm not even drunk. Oh, so, no so no, I want to, I want to, I want to ask you this, Ray. I know he he doesn't really help me out that much. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, yeah, when I need him to like back me up, I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm alone on the island over here. By the way. <laughs> But Ray, I, 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 like that's what I, I want to ask you this question. I was thinking about it. Like, so, you know, you have a team full of twenty-five guys, right? All different people from all different walks of life. And I'm sure on these teams, right, there's some guys you don't like, and there's some guys you like better than others. But that's kind of how society is right now. Like, so ha- has a team. Like, talk talk to me about like back in the days when you were playing with the Cubbies and the team and the people and how you. Like it, I think that's what one great thing about the 216 Chicago Cubs. I think they were all on the same page, is they believed that they were going to do it, and they did it. And I think a lot of most of those guys got along really, really good. But I'm sure you were on teams where there wasn't people that got along. And how did you handle that? Well, you you policed it as a team. If there was an issue with a player, the players got together and dealt with that individual one on one or as a team collectively. And we dealt with his attributes to the organization and to the team. What did he do well that we could identify that we stressed? We didn't go into the negatives. We went into the positives. Hey, you do this real good. Sometimes you, you get carried away on little things that's not necessary. You need to be a little more cautious. I remember one time I didn't get a butt down, right? And I'm coming to the dugout, and I remember Ron Sano met me at the front step of the dugout. And I get there, and he's standing there. Oh, I can't go down the step. And he said, rookie, 
Now, what am I going to do? I'm going to tell Ron Santo my name is Ray? Uh-uh. <laughs> he says, rookie, you didn't get that bunt down. You messing with my money. Make sure you're here tomorrow at 10 o'clock, and you're going to go down in the cage, and you're going to bunt. And make sure you can get the bunt down. I respected that because he was more concerned about helping me be better at something as opposed to me looking at it as criticism and take it personal. Okay? I respected that. And I think that has a lot to do with somebody being able to approach you and say, you're not doing what you need to do. There has to be respect. There has to be trust. There has to be somebody you look up to. And they know, and you have to be somebody you know when they're saying it, why they're saying it. What are you fighting for? It's a team effort. I got to get that bunt down to advance runners. Because now that takes us back to the top of the lineup. I understood that. I didn't take it personally. And I think in today's society, with, with what we've been dealing with, with the pandemic, and still dealing with it, and losing lives every day, we got to step back and get our personal feelings out of the way. I'm a firm believer in that, Stu. You know, with, with all the people we've lost, and I wish they, the networks could show everyone that we've lost. That's, that's sad. That really is sad. And some of us are in that realm where we have loved ones and we have relatives and we have acquaintances that we've lost or that has had the, the COVID that are in this room. Okay. I haven't had it. I hope I don't have it. Okay. And, but I'm doing everything I can to put myself in the best position I can put myself in. And I think that's all we can do. That's a human element. I'm not going to sit here and worry about, well, they didn't do this. They didn't do that. What did I do to protect myself? What did I do to protect my surroundings? I wore my mask. I washed my hands. I washed my hands so much I started turning white. <laughs> I'm serious. I thought I was a snake hibernating, skin coming off my hands. Huh? I look like Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> then I realized I see you put some lotion on. <laughs> but, but you know, I mean, that's what we had to do. And I was willing to do that. I mean, I wash my hands all the time anyway, just from being healthy and conscious and not passing germs underneath my fingernails into my body. You know, that's why I wash my hands. And I'm going to continue to wash them once we get through all of this. It ain't going to change. So the norm hasn't changed that much. I mean, we get in our car, we got to buckle our seatbelts. Do we go down the street complaining? i got to buckle my seatbelt. Oh, this is ridiculous. You know? If you don't, the little thing on your dashboard is going to beep, 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 beep. Oh, buckle your seatbelt. Some of them tie them behind their back and they're going back to business. So I don't see anything that we're doing out of the ordinary with this pandemic. The social distancing, being cautious, being mindful, uh, to me, is just part of being a human being and loving that fellow man and thinking about the person next to us. And I'm a firm believer in that. I'll go to my grave believing that. Ain't going to change my mind, Stu. You can give me all the gifts in the world. Ain't changing. <laughs> Thank you, brother. I, I want to, uh, you know, like I said, we're all like, um, I think everybody at to some point is suffering, you know, because this is not has been a, a easy year for anybody. Um, what you know, if someone's going through some times right now that 
might not be good at all and there's some dark things going on. What, what would you tell that person, Ray? There's somebody in the world worse than you are. That's what I tell that person. And you know what I did? I used to do when I played the game of baseball. When my kids would complain, I'd put them in my car and take them to the children's hospital and walk them through the children's hospital. And when it was all said and done, I'd ask them, what did you see? What did you get from that? Sometimes I'd take them down in Fort Worth and let them see the homeless. Make them get out and talk to that homeless person and find their story. Because I needed to let them see reality. Sometimes we try to protect from reality. It's real. It's all around us. And I think as parents, we try to protect what we went through or what we didn't have. You know, I set my kids down and, be, and deal with them earnestly. And I think that's very important. And give them the ability to stand for something. My mom used to tell me, son, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And I, when she said it, I was 12 years old. Didn't know why she was saying it to me. But for some reason, wisdom went through my brain and just said, boom. It just, I understood it. I understood the meaning of it. And she had one-liners. And it just resonated in my spirit when she was saying it. I mean, one time she'd keep me home every time we'd have the Sunday preacher over, right, to help her cook. And I said, Mom, why, why do you keep me home all the time? I'm next to the baby. You got three older sons ahead of me. Why don't they stay home? She said, number one, I trust you. I believe in you. When I tell you to do something, you're going to do it. And number two, when I taught you how to cook, I wanted you to learn how to cook. And in case you married somebody who couldn't cook, I know you wouldn't starve to death. Now, that makes sense to me. Because I like to eat. All of you who know me know I like to eat. I can eat. Eating is a celebration to me. Right, Katie? When I eat, I smile. Okay? But I understood that wisdom. It made sense to me. And I remember one time I came home. I'm growing up in the state of Oklahoma. I come home one day, and this guy called me the N-word. I didn't understand it. I didn't know him. Why would he be calling me the N-word, Well, I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't go ask him because I didn't want to know. <laughs> so I go to my mom, bless her heart, great wisdom. I said, Mom, why would this guy call me the N-word? She said, Son, I want to tell you something. Everybody on this planet has an opinion. And she said, opinions are just like fannies. Just like assholes. Everybody got one. <laughs> now, what I got from that was, I have options. Life is good when you got options. I could believe that person or walk away with my head held high, saying that I stood for something and I didn't trust and believe what he was saying. Now, I could have been a militant. I'm telling you, growing up in the 50s in this country, I could have been a militant. Seriously. But I chose to go another way. I chose education. I chose sports. 
And then sports chose me to go to the highest level. And I took that education and I made it work. Okay. I took it and made it work. And it's no different now. I know how to enjoy people. I know how to talk to people. I know how to laugh with people. And I know how to cry with people. And my best one, I know how to eat with people. Okay? So I think it's a combination of a lot of things, ladies and gentlemen. We all are here tonight celebrating Kristen and Kelly. Okay? We're celebrating Cubs 400. We're celebrating 2021. We're celebrating seeing each other since a while back. It don't get no better than that. Wait, it really doesn't. Well, I, I, I actually, I think right now is a great time to announce this. I actually talked to Ray a little bit earlier. And uh, our first event in 2021, Ray will be attending. And it will be for mental health awareness. And uh, we're going to raise a bunch of money for that. We have a certain center fielder of the Chicago Cubs that's pretty much in. And he's probably going to bring another player out here. And uh, John Vincent will also be in the house. Ooh. And uh, we're going to have a great day. And we're going to pick some charities out between us. And, yeah, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna raise some money for mental health awareness because I honestly believe right now there's no better time than uh, – than that to to raise money for that cost, you know. So, so and I, you know what, Ray? You know, Ray. That's what I was going to ask you too. Uh, you're kind of a free agent now, huh? For the first time in a long time. Yeah, after 48 years. So, like, yeah, 48 years in Major League Baseball, everybody. 48, 48 years, years in Major League Baseball. That's a long time. That's a long time. So, like during COVID. Yeah, you, just like so many people did in baseball, like the Cubs caught many of people, awesome people that you thought were going to be with them forever. You lost your job with the Phillies because of cost-cutting issues. Uh, during COVID, uh, I'm sure you had a chance to reflect. Well, what's, what's next for Ray Burst? Well, one journey ended, another journey begins. Uh, I have a lot of things that I'm doing right now uh, I play for seven different clubs. One is not existing anymore with the Montreal Expos. So I'm working on being an ambassador for the Cubs, the Yankees, the Mets, the, the uh, Brewers, the Cardinals, and the Oakland A's, as well as the Detroit Tigers, Texas Rangers, Philadelphia Phillies, to go out and, and, and do uh, come to the ballparks during the season, go up and smooth with the sweet owners, and eat. There you go. Eat. Gotta eat. Oh, There's a way good, to get to it. Oh, they have good food, my brother. Sweet. And so, no, too. And, and no then sweets. I have, I no have some other venture, ventures that I'm doing. I have a verse on demand, which means it's a video coaching that um, they can send a video to me. I critique it, and they pay me. Cha-ching. Uh, <laughs> I have a singing greeting business. Oh! Time out. I got I, I got I got I, I, I got to bring this up, all right? So, I brought it up outside the podcast, but so when we were at Fantasy Camp in 2020, um, 
like I said, Eddie Vedder's in the house, right? And uh, we just Chelios is in the house, and Ray, we just had a wonderful time, didn't we? We just had a wonderful time. But I found out that Ray is probably the best karaoke guy you ever met in your life, man. Whip smooth Ray, yeah. Oh my gosh, like. I, I, I actually, I actually, like, I, I even wanted to go to sleep with him after he sung, dude. That's how good he was. He was so good. Like, he, he, he actually, he knocked it out of the park, no pun intended. And I, I thought he was better than Eddie Vedder, actually. So, uh, uh, no. <laughs> that's, that's one of my bucket lists. to sing with Eddie. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, nice. I want to sing with Eddie. Well, Eddie, Eddie owes us a visit, so I'll have you out here when Eddie comes out here. Eddie's going to come out here. Uh, he will come out here. I believe that will happen. COVID kind of messed things up, but, I mean, uh, at some point, Eddie, Eddie Vetter will be here at Club 400. And you know what? That's where we'll make it happen that night. Huh? There you go. I also have, I'm on Cameo. Cameo. Where you can request, you know, a motivational saying, a singing birthday telegram, happy Valentine's birthday, birthday, whatever. I, I lay it out loud. I let the heart <laughs> talk to you. <laughs> we gotta get clubs around the cameo. Huh? Oh, we got a cameo. I I, I went through cameo and I got him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah so. Yeah. Special shout out to Brian Freeze tonight. Once again, always uh, always does a lot of great things for Club 400. I'm looking at Woody over there. He's got he's got no beer. What the heck's Woody? What's oh he's got a little beer. Hey, he needs a beer. Lisa, can you get that guy a beer or something? Uh, so, uh, Stu, why don't we see if anybody else out here? Oh yeah, let's do some questions. All right, does anybody does anybody? And you know what? This segment is called Ask Ray. You can ask him whatever you want. Did you watch uh, what's his favorite Netflix show? Or like, uh, do you have a particular song you want to sing? Acapella? Ray, you do some acapella or what? (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Ray. This is Kelly. Um, I think the consensus here is uh, we'd all like to hear you sing. Request a song. Can I request a song? I'm gonna request. How about uh, Amazing Grace? Huh? You could do that, right? <laughs> how about a little bit? A little bit. <laughs> Ray, give me. A, g- g- yeah. He's he's got some. It, What's your favorite song, Ray? What's your favorite song? Uh, I, I know Ray has many favorite songs. <laughs> 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 Susan, come up here. Oh. Oh. A duet, perhaps. No, I just want you to stand beside me because I need a little motivation. Oh. 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 I need a little motivation. Right. Just hold the mic. Okay. Dolly okay. Park. No. <laughs> I've got sunshine on a cloudy day. When it's cold outside, I've got the month of May. Well, I guess you say 
What can make me feel this way? All the audience. My girl, my girl, my girl. Talking about my girl, my girl. I've got so much honey to be into me. I've got a sweeter song than the birds in the trees. Well, I guess you say what can make me feel this way. My girl, my girl, my girl, talking about my girl, my girl. Ah, that's what I'm talking about. So that's my acapella. Wow, he brought it. He brought it. Unbelievably. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we had we had such a great time at camp. Uh, we're gonna post this on the camper page. Uh, you got any, anything? Uh, hopefully, we'll have a camp. Oh yeah, Eric, you wanna say something? Yeah, we're gonna bring Eric on, my brother, everybody, for the listeners. Yeah, you know, uh, I had the uh, I had the privilege. Inspired by Ray. No, I had the privilege to go against Ray in fantasy camp. For all you fantasy campers out there, I mean. You know, everybody talks about his Snapdragon and all this other bullshit that he's got going on. But, you know. This is a family uh, program. And uh, here here I am. I got a big bet with Stu. And I, I get up the plate. And he's already got paid off by Hartman. I mean, Hartman, where are you at on this on this one? You should be here right now. But yeah, anyways, he, Hartman pays the guy off $500. And I get up there. And, I, and I'm already in trouble as it is. He's, he's ready to strike my ass out. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, Ray, bring that shit. I mean, bring that shit. So, so he he throws me a, a ball out. Yeah, you know, I, I look foolish, a couple swings, but but then I, I I zoned in, and oh my lord, did I zone in, and I hit the shit out of the ball. <laughs> hey, what do you guys say about that? You let the law. You know what I gotta say about that, Eric? This is what I gotta say about that. Every now and then, a squirrel finds a nut. <laughs> walked into that one, Eric. Yeah, did. You walked into it. So yeah, true story. We're at fantasy camp, and you know, we don't know if this is gonna be the last fantasy camp or not. So Ray came in just to pitch to me and Eric, and we had it set up so that he would pitch against us. And uh, I hate to say it, William, but he he did a good morning, good afternoon, good night to me. Three yes. pitches. <laughs> you let the long brother get a hit, man. <laughs> With love. Hey, he just swung the bed and accidentally hit it. <laughs> Down the first baseline. That, snap, that, that snapdragon do drop you got going on. Well, you know, every now and then I have a little compassion. You do? Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're going to take some questions from you guys. Ask Ray. Um, where's that mic at? We go, oh, okay. Yeah, anybody else have anybody any other questions? Any other questions for Ray? You could ask him anything like... Uh, Were you satisfied with your request? 
It was her request, and Kelly, yes, I was. Kelly, were you satisfied uh, with Yes, your I request? think that was across the board right, yes. thank, thank you, you thank you all for singing hey i'm gonna i'll ask you this question right because we just sang uh you know one thing i really miss is live music that's what i really miss more than anything so i was talking um to roy over there earlier what would be uh your first concert like if you could pick any concert with anybody singing what would be your first concert after covid in a crowd of people and like life after was COVID? yeah after covid so who would you go who would, who would be your dream concert Dead or alive? uh we'll go alive, alive. let's go alive <laughs> i want to know what ray burris is listening to john legend nice it'll be my first concert all right and then uh eddie vetter nice all right nice. Woo! i like it i like both choices have them both there yeah. I might sing along. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm asked. I'm just saying. I think that would be that would be pretty neat to kick off the twenty twenty one season with them raising money for Cubs four hundred. That'd be awesome. That'd that would be, be awesome. I think that would be outstanding. Yeah. Seriously. We're gonna do we're gonna do something big one day with Eddie, I know that. And that, I mean uh I think you know, I woke up uh one morning, and I, I, I was thinking about, like, where Club for Horn's going to go and what we're going to do. And, like, you know, I'm, I'm the type of guy where, like, I, I, you know, I want to improve upon experiences that we have here. And, like, like tonight, we could have just wasted this night and not came together like we have come here. But, like, I believe that you, you shouldn't waste time. Like, time is precious. And, like, we got everybody here tonight. Like, let's uh, have, have a little campfire here, even though there's no fire. But we're sitting behind the bar at Club 400. And, uh it's a beautiful thing. It is. It really is. Beautiful. Thank all of you for coming. Thank That's you, what yes. made it Thank beautiful. you, Stu. Thank you, Stu. Does anybody have any other questions uh, with, with Ray? Anybody have anything they want to ask Ray? Yes, we got one right here. So out of all the banners you've ever pitched against and everything, who is the most favorite person you ever hit with the ball? Favorite person I hit with the ball? Yeah, you hit <laughs> Like like uh, like a purpose pitch, yeah. a purpose pitch. Tell us about a purpose pitch that you got, because because like right, I can't see you throwing at anybody. Uh, you like, don't know me very well. <laughs> 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 I was gonna say Eric McVicker, my dad. <laughs> 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 uh, we oh, no, I wouldn't be no snapdragon, Eric. <laughs> we when I got it when I came into the big leagues in 1973, Whitey Lockman was the manager. And there were, there were headhunters in the league. We call headhunters because they'd always throw at the dome. Well, for some reason, Ron Sandow always got hit. I don't know why. He was diabetic, but he always get hit. And so we go into San Diego, and they have a pitcher named Bill Greif, right-handed pitcher. And he just, boom, right here. Threw pretty hard, but here you go, boom. He knocks Sandow down, right? Seventh inning, they call down to the bullpen, and, and Whitey tells the bullpen coach to get me going. I'm coming in in the seventh inning. I don't know why. I'm, I'm coming in to pitch, right? So I come into the game. Randy Hunley comes to the mound, right? Now, you know how Randy talks. You know, <laughs> I say he's from Virginia, but he's from West Virginia, and I just get on his case because he's got that, that twang. And, you know, he would come to the mound and call me boy. 
Well, that would tick me off. <laughs> and you can understand why. Because I was called that growing up. I had a name, Ray. You know, he said, look at here, boy. He said, you see this confounded sucker in the plate? I want him knocked down on all four feet. You hear me, boy? Well, my veins would start to pop. Because I knew I couldn't hit him. But I was going to throw the snot out of it. He said, I want him on all fours. That means he's on his back, hands and feet in the air. I picked out his chin, and I threw the hardest pitch I thought I could throw, and I don't know how it missed him. I really don't to this day. And he went on all fours. He never threw at us again, okay? From there, we go to San Francisco. They got a pitcher named Jim Ball, <coughs> another headhunter, right? Jim Barr and Mip Pappas always hooked up. And so we go into, into Frisco, Barr hits Sano. Boom. He goes to first. When we go to the field, Mappas is pitching. Pappas is pitching. He gets the first hitter out, the eighth hitter. Here comes Jim Barr. He throws behind him through three pitches before he gets it. Here we go. We fight. I'm telling him we fight. We fight. It's the most weirdest scenario. Now think about this. You got everybody at home plate, right? The umpires are up against the backstop behind home plate. All the hats are around second base. <laughs> I have no idea how they got there. But we hook it. Fergie's got a ball in his hand. He's just going around hitting people in the head. They conked out. Pete Reeser, who, had, who was our third base coach, had a plate in his head from running in the balls when he played. He got hit in the head. He's, he's knocked out. He's knocked out. We leave that series. We come home. Who's pitching against each other? Jim Barr, Mill Pappas. Here we go again. We hooking, right? The next series, we come in, the Phillies come in, and they got a pitcher named Jim Longborg, who used to pitch for the 67 Boston Red Sox. And they went to the World Series. He knocked Sano down. Whitey calls me in in the seventh inning. I got to hit Jim Longboard. Randy comes to the mound with his country talking. <laughs> Look here, boy. <laughs> you see this confounded sucker in the plate. Never would cuss, but we figured out what all those words meant. <laughs> you see this confounded sucker in the plate? I see him. I want you to... Put him on all fours. You hear me, boy? <laughs> <laughs> Out of respect, I say, yes, sir. <laughs> so he gets back behind home plate. And he, this is mean, it means flipping. That's what it means, flipping. I picked out his chin, right? When I threw it, I actually closed my eyes. The ball went between his helmet and his head. And they had a picture of it in the Chicago Sun-Times the next day. I still have the article. He said in the paper, he said he thought he was dead. Because my ball ran. I didn't know how hard I throw. We didn't have radar guns back in those days. But I knew I let it go. Never had no problem with Jim Longbarn. Never had no problem with Bill Bryce. After that, those guys, when I came into the game, they played for you. Because if you didn't knock somebody down, then they would lose balls in the sun, accidentally. Ground balls, they'd break the other way, accidentally. Because they didn't want to protect you because you wasn't protecting them. That's a true story. They wouldn't play for you.
Hey, man, I'm sorry. I was anticipating him hitting there. Oh, yeah, okay. I got you. It's all good. So I gained that respect from doing that. Yeah, because I knew if I didn't do it, they were going to find me $500. So I figured I ain't paying $500. 1973, that's a lot of moolah. I could eat good on $500. <laughs> so I, 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 but I didn't try to hit him, Stu. Because yeah, if I could hit you, I could hit you. Yeah, but I just tried to send a message to let him know you're not going to hit my guys and we're not going to take care of that business because the players police that. Yeah, we didn't have no problem because I pitched inside anyway. And I hit guys from my ball running so much, but I wasn't trying to hit them. I was just letting them know I'm pitching inside. So if I did let one get away, it wasn't perceived the wrong way from a hitter. I didn't wait till I gave up back-to-back-to-back to back to back home runs, and now I'm going to throw the ball right here. No, no, no. Take your licking and keep on ticking. <laughs> Too late. Yes, sir. So you want me to talk loud, or am I okay? No, you're right. Yeah. Okay. You know, Ray, you and I talk all the time. So, I mean, I, I kind of know this, and I'm kind of teeing you up so you can tell some of these stories. But 15 years in the bigs, you talked about your Sano story about him catching you in the dugout, and you talk about just being open to the guys that kind of taught you the game, basically, when you got to the show. Can you talk a little bit about some of those guys that, you know, were there for you? I mean, maybe talk a little bit about Ernie buying you the car, maybe talking a little bit just about who taught you the game, and then when you got to put on the other hat, as you, I mean, 15 years in the show, you obviously were a mentor and still continue to be a mentor to a lot of players. Can you talk a little bit about both sides of that for us. Absolutely. When I got to the big leagues, I was drafted in 1972 by the Cubs out of Southwestern Oklahoma State College, which was an AIA school in Weatherford, Oklahoma, 75 miles west of Oklahoma City. And when I got to the big leagues in 1973, I made the big league club out of spring training, my first professional spring training. I made the big club as a non-roster player. And when I got to the big leagues, Jose Cardinal took me under his wing. Junior took me on this wing. We're still friends today. He lives in Sarasota. We get together and have lunch and eat. He's cooking some salmon when I get back, and I will be there. Um, but he took me on his wing, and this is what he taught me. He said, do you have a credit card? I said, no, sir, I don't have a credit card. He said, you need to get your credit card, Sears or Montgomery Ward. Okay? I got me a credit card. He said, you need to start building your credit. Okay? So when you decide to buy a house, you've built some credit. And... He said, when you do buy a house, try to pay it off before you finish playing. If you buy cars, try to pay them, pay them off before you finish playing. And I said, why is that, Jose? He said, because the insurance is going to be enough on them. You don't want a car note when you're not playing because you're not going to make the kind of money you'll be making while you're playing. And he was right. So what I started to do, uh, well, he said, also, I want you to start saving 15% of everything you make, what is appearance, uh, meal money, Take 15% out and put it in a trust. So I had a trust at First Interstate Bank in Phoenix, Arizona. And when I got done playing the, the game of baseball, I'd made a little over $7.5 million. I'd saved 15% of that. Because I didn't know how long I was going to be out of the game before I was able to get back in the game. I was fortunate enough that when I quit playing, Bud Silic brought me right back into the game as a coach. So I had no lapse, no time lapse between playing and getting back in the game. And I still continued to save that 15%. So when I finished playing the game, I had all of that money, that 15% I saved from everything I made. And, and, and I was a big saver. You know, still am. 
But Jose Carnell taught me that. And uh, so that was some of the things that I took and passed down. Ernie Banks. I'm signed, I signed in 72, June of 72. I come to Bradenton, Florida for the mini camp where the Reds, the Cincinnati Reds, the Cubs, and the Pirates are using the Pirate City as their mini camp. It boiled down between me and Dennis Lamp going to Midland, Texas, which is our double-A affiliate. And Fred Martin was the minor league pitching coordinator. Whitey Lockman was a farm director in 1972 because they had just fired Leo DeRocher at the end of the season, right? So I'm sitting there, and I pitched two innings in the inner squad game. I'm only there for two weeks. And my luck was Danny Murtaugh was in the dugout against the Pirates that I was pitching against. So I struck out the four of the six men I faced, and the other two hit weak ground balls back to the pitcher's mound. So Whitey wanted to take Dennis Lamp to Midland Double-A. Fred Martin wanted to take me. So who decided it was Danny Murtaugh. He said, you ought to take Burris. The ball, his, his ball moves. Guys don't get good swings off of it. He said, that's who you should take to Double-A. The next morning, Fred Martin was on a plane out of Tampa, Florida, and met the team in Little Rock, Arkansas. And they got the biggest mosquitoes I've ever seen in my world. <laughs> you hear them coming. Zzz, zzz, they're like blitzcracking you on your neck. And you hit them, blood flashes all over the place. I ain't never seen mosquitoes that big. I don't know what they feed them. They may be on steroids. I don't know. So I finished my season in, Little Rock, in uh, Midland. My last game of the year, I'm pitching in Amarillo, Texas, which is a double-A of the San Francisco Giants. I have a no-hitter going into the bottom of the seventh inning. And I didn't know that John Holland, the general manager of the Cubs, was there in the stands. I never met him. I didn't know who he was. He never came into the dugout and introduced himself. I end up with a one-hitter. I get an invite to big league camp as a non-roster player. I go out. I'm in the last week of spring training. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to Wichita. That's the AAA, Wichita Arrows. And I'm in center field shagging. Barney Schultz comes out in the dugout on the third base side and hollers, Burris! Gets my attention. Yes, come here. I go into Whitey Lockman's office. And in my mind, you ever have in your mind when you know and believe somebody's going to tell you something and that's all you're waiting to hear? All I was waiting to hear was Wichita, Kansas. And he says, Ray, sit down. So I sit down. He's got this smirky grin on his face. I'm like, has he got this smirky grin, William? What is he going to do, take me to dinner before he sends me out to the wolves or what? <laughs> so I sit there, and he said, Ray, he said, I've talked to Glenn Becker. And Glenn Becker was one of my greatest supporters. Glenn Becker. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because he hit off me and BP. And I was wearing him out with that hard sinker and movement. Glenn Becker, Don Kessinger, Ron Sano, Billy Williams, Paul Popovich, were my biggest supporters, Jose Cardinal, during the spring training of 1973. By the way, the year I was born, I'm not to date you or anything like that, yeah? I was born in 73, yeah. Oh, my Lord. Your debut was April, what was your debut? April what? Uh, 73, it was April. My April, 8th. April 8th. Dude, I, I, tell us about your uh, opening day there. First time, first appearance, first appearance, major league uniform. I faced Ron Farrelly of the Montreal Expos. Where were you before that? Where were you just before that? What were you doing? What, 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 what was 
Well, minor league team. Yeah. When you got when you got uh, the call up, talk, talk, just, I guess like talk to us about the call to the big leagues. Yeah. yeah I didn't get the call to the big leagues. I got the I made the big league club out of spring training, my right, first okay, yeah, professional right, right. spring training. Are you listening? In nineteen seventy three. But I was trying to do I'm so, multi I'm multitasking over here. So I'm answering your question before you ask. Anyway, I go into one like office and he's saying, Ray, he said, I want to just congratulate you on the spring that you had. I was voted the top rookie of the spring training of 1973. Got a gift card. And he says, I just want you to know that um, welcome to the Chicago Cubs. Right on my head. Right on my head. And I looked at him. He said, did you hear me? I said, excuse me, sir. He said, I want you to know, welcome to the Chicago Cubs. And then it hit me. I made the major leagues. I did the best Toyota Elite whim you ever could have seen. <laughs> they should have hired me to do that commercial. You know? And so That's awesome. the next day, this was five days before we were going to break camp. The next day, I'm shagging. We finish our game. I go into the dugout, into the clubhouse. Ernie Banks comes up to me and says, Ray Bone. He said, uh, and I'll tell you how I got the word Ray, my nickname, Raybon. Uh, he says, I want you to get dressed. I got to take you somewhere. I said, okay, Mr. Banks, I appreciate it. I get ready. We go down. He takes me to his dealership in Phoenix. I'm like, why, is, why are we here? He said, get out. Come on. We're going to go inside. I want you to meet somebody. He goes inside. The owner was there of this GMC dealership. The owner comes out. Hey, Mr. Banks, how you doing? He said, I'm doing good. He said, I want you to meet Ray Burris. He's going to be in the big leagues for a long time. I want you to give him a car. <laughs> no way. I'm thinking, did I hear what I thought he heard on my ears? So he said, well, what would you like, Mr. Burris? He said, I said, uh, how, how much is going to cost me? He said, don't worry about that. What car do you see? I picked out a, a sky blue Cutlass Supreme. Nice. Two-door. Oh, it was hot. <laughs> Lordy, Lordy, it was hot. I'm telling you, Brian, I looked at that thing, and I could just see myself low ride. Low ride. <laughs> low ride. So he goes back in the back, comes back, and says, here, drive it off the lot. Ernie got me a car. I didn't pay nothing for it. I'm thinking, now, this is the big leagues. This is Okay. If the perks are this good, dang. I want to stick around for a while. I might want to stick around for a while. See what else I can get my hands on. You know, Wim? So that was just, that blew my mind. And uh, I remember my first wife, I flew her out to Arizona. She took the car. She was going to Cameron University in Lawton, Oklahoma. When she finished school, she drove up to Chicago in that Cutlass Supreme. Boy, it was tough. Had them nice rims. Lordy, lordy, Wim. I could see my face in it, brother. You know? And so that was my beginning to the major leagues in Chicago. Now, you got to understand something. I'm from Oklahoma, from the country. We were sharecroppers, right? I'm a history buff. So when I got to Chicago, I didn't go nowhere for two years. And there's a reason why. I still thought Al Capone was roaming the streets. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I'm serious as a heart attack. I am serious as a heart attack. I know where his hotel was and everything. I'm like, I ain't going to be in a drive-by. No, not today. I stayed out in Melrose Park because my first wife had relatives out there that had a barbecue place. And, of course, I love barbecue, Miss Susan. I could eat some barbecue. 
and I'd stay out there, drive in. They had a car they let me drive, which was like Boss Hogg's Cadillac. <laughs> it just didn't have the steers, the horns on the front of it. Green and white. I'm telling you, I was styling and profiling, girl. And so, digging the scene with a gangster. I had gangster white walls on it, too. <laughs> so, that was my beginning in the major leagues in 1973. And, when the, and, and the first time I went on a road trip, they gave me meal money, William. It was like 10 days, $350 for meal money. I'm like, who the world's going to eat that much? <laughs> I, spend, I, take, I take 15% out of that meal money. <laughs> Put it in my savings. Uh, everything I got, okay? Glenn Becker would come to me and say, Rayvon, he said, here's what I want, I want to share something with you. He said, you got a place you stand here? I said, yeah. I stayed in a, in a townhouse off of Lakeshore Drive near Wrigley Field. Then I moved to Schaumburg, bought a, bought a um, uh, uh, townhouse. Worked at Woodfield Mall at Mark Shell during the winters. Oh, yeah, I could sell some clothes, sis. <laughs> I get you. I get you. I get you coordinated. <laughs> so, they come in there, and, uh, and I, had to, I had to go for three months of education. I had to learn how to tie ties and make presentations to clothing. Oh, I was good. And I could talk, too. You know. no. Oh, seriously? Really? No, okay. I could talk. For a kid that didn't say nothing growing up, Miss K, I could talk. So now I worked there during the offseason because that's what you had to do. My first year in the big leagues, the minimum salary was 15000 Fifteen thousand. Now that's a lot of money for a country boy from Oklahoma. Don't get me wrong. That's a lot of money. And the meal money I was saving. I was doing appearances. I was saving that. So I end up buying a, a townhouse in Schaumburg. Then I end up buying a house in Palatine. Before I got traded in seventy in seventy nine to the Yankees for a Dick Tidrow. But uh, but I've, I've had some interesting situations in in nineteen seventy two. My my third start in Midland, Texas, we got locust out of a game. I'm telling you, it looked like something out of a plague. I remember I'm starting the game, and I see this cloud coming, and I'm thinking, oh, Stu, we're getting ready to get some rain, brother. And all of a sudden, these locusts are dive bombing on people in the stands. I throw a pitch to the plate. I killed 12 <laughs> with the ball going to <laughs> They had to call the game. Because we couldn't play. They just died for me. Because we had these, these fluorescent lights. And they saw those lights, and they just started migrating to those lights. And they just hitting those leathers, those metal seats. It looked like somebody like a hailstorm. I had never seen nothing like it. I thought it was the end of the world. I'm telling you. Seriously. And so, uh, and then my next unique episode was the last blackout in New York City. I was pitching at Shea Stadium. And... Going into the, the uh, bottom of the fifth inning, I got a 4-2 lead. Jerry Kuzman had just grounded out to second base, and Lindy Randall comes up to the plate, and the lights go out. And you know how colorful Lindy Randall is? He gets in the box, the floodlights are on, he swings, and he starts running around the plate. And I'm still standing on the mound. I took that ball and tried to take his neck off at second base. I missed the son of a gun. And, uh, and the lights came. The lights never came back on. We finally got a message that this was, it was a blackout. When we took Northern Avenue back to the Waldorf Astoria in downtown Manhattan, 
They were rioting and looting in the streets, breaking the windows. I'm telling you, it was the most, it was the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. You had no electricity at the, at the hotel, and I'm on the 16th floor. You can't ride the elevator. No air conditioner. Hot. Oh, my God. Black. I couldn't even see my hand. Right here. 16 flights of stairs. And I had to take my luggage down the next morning. I'm sweating like a dog. You know? So we go from there to Philadelphia. I was so happy to get to Philly in all of my life with air conditioning and the whole works. But, and I had to wait three month, two, two and a half months to get that W, TC. You were counting stairs going on that. Oh, I was counting stairs, 16. Oh, yeah. Good Lord. It was, I was, oh, man, I was miserable that night. I'm telling you, it was miserable. And we had no lights. They would give us candles. Had no light. Yeah, that was, that was, that was tough. That's crazy. Yeah, that was tough. But those are some of the things that I've experienced during my career. Uh, you know, um, the different stories that, that you've dealt with. Um, just some interesting characters during that era. But the game was good during that era to me. It was really, really good. It was really true baseball during that era. You know, we didn't have a lot of the technology back then as they do now. And I enjoyed that. I really did. Because uh, if we'd had that technology like they have today, I wouldn't have went nowhere. It would have been really treacherous. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But it was, just, it was just great baseball, man. It just, you played the game the right way. You just, you know, you depended on each other. You played for each other. You worked with each other. You believed and trusted in each other. It's like being in a foxhole, man. Do you trust this guy next to you to, to shoot before he sees uh, the enemy? Or he's just shooting because he's seeing movement, you know? And you knew he had your back. Yeah, I knew he had my back. I knew he had my back because they knew I had their back. So that was just a different mindset to me, just a different mindset. There was no – teammates help you to understand how to be a professional on and off the field. Okay. How to treat people, you know, how to be a good ball player. What's it all about? The etiquette of the game. That's been lost. That's been lost. When I got up to the big leagues, I didn't rent and rave. I carried Randy Hunley's luggage, uh, catching gear out for a whole year. Shined it with baby oil. Didn't have no problem with it. I'm in the big leagues. I just got a free car. <laughs> you know? So I had no problem with it. None at all. I wanted to bring up uh – Brian Freeze obviously has been a a big uh, part of Club 400, and he brought Jason Kachuk here tonight. Jason, uh, this guy right here uh, to my right, uh, has gone through a heart transplant. He's uh, been through hell and back, and I saw him tonight, and I was like, "Man, he looks you look you look really good, Jason." Uh, real quick, I'll put you on real quick. Uh, just tell us a little bit about how you're doing, and like the you know you, you you've gone through um, you know an unbelievable situation you know and uh you know with covid and everything like that how how you been doing hey, i've been doing pretty well uh made it through covid uh did get it did you but uh wasn't that bad just like a flu um health's been good uh everything's stable you know can't uh, can't complain looking forward to 2021 Jason, I want to tell you guys, uh, Jason's in a lot of different things, but uh, one of the, I mean, and I don't forget, like, I, I'm a type of guy who, uh, I don't suffer from short-term memory like a lot of people do, you know, uh, 
<laughs> but Jason donated a beautiful. I don't know if he's. Uh, she, we're we're gonna we're gonna no. Listen, hey, that's not how he is, right? Should we, should we throw him? Out? Eric's already like saying this podcast is too long or whatever. But uh, but Jason but Jason donated a, a, a and he's our manager. Jason donated a beautiful. Pe- Hold on a second. Jason donated a beautiful. Uh, a piece to Club 400, like something that retailed for $5,000. I think that was a Schwarber party, wasn't it? Schwarber party. And, uh, but I always appreciate that because he didn't have to do that. He did that, you know, and uh, I want to say thank you for that because it's something I didn't forget. It was a, that was a very expensive thing that you did. Uh, I also want uh, Carol Haddon, uh, uh, which William was our first, one of our first podcasts ever, right? Our very first, yes. Uh, Jimmy, her husband is has COVID right now, and um, it's 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 a it's been a struggle and a battle. And uh, I want I want to make sure that uh, you know if she listens that uh, we got your back, and we hope Jimmy recovers quickly. And uh, and uh, I'm just wishing you the best, Carol. Uh, Ray, we're gonna wrap this up here, but like we're gonna do like old school, William. Um, like we'll do like Jerry's final thought. Maybe we'll do Ray's final thought, right? Huh? And Ray, by the way, I gotta ask you this question. We end every, not all our podcasts, but we end our podcasts with a song. So what what song do you want on the end of this podcast? This is my question. Yeah. If you have one uh, song that ends this podcast, what is that you song? You don't have to sing it. You don't have to sing it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would like to uh, end it with the song Wake Up Everybody by Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. Wake Up What? Wake Up Everybody by Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. Listen to the words to it because I think it can be applied to today. Final thoughts, Ray. I'm counting on you on this one, buddy. Final thoughts is as we dissemble tonight, I pray and hope that every one of us look at our environment and look in our hearts a little different. And I'm sure most of you have, starting 2021, based on what we've endured in 2020, and show a lot of grace, courtesy, appreciation, love, joy, happiness, thankfulness on a daily basis. And every morning you get up, when you look into the face, into, your, into the mirror and see your face, give yourself a smile because we deserve it. Give yourself a smile. Okay? And watch how you smile back at you. In a hearty laugh. In All right? Give yourself a smile and give yourself a good laugh every day. Okay? I think that's very important. And I try to do that. You know, I may not look the best in the morning, but you know what? I'm looking. You got a pretty smile. You got a pretty smile. Once I brush them teeth, it says, I'm going to be looking good by noon. I'm telling you. Dude, he is Ray Burst, everybody. He is Club 400. We love you, Ray. Uh, let's have a good night tonight. Have a f- few more drinks and uh, listen to some music, watch a little football. and. 
for our friends and family. All right, guys? Change the world, what it used to be. 
Teach the babies! 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 Te